This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. It's the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. So glad to be with you today and thrilled to welcome back Ronald Norred to the show. He was a former Charlotte Hornets assistant coach, but unfortunately he's left my favorite NBA team to join the Indiana Pacers, spent last year on their bench with Rick Carlisle as the head coach. But you may know Ronald from his days at Butler as a player in in college basketball, and that was a special team. When Brad Stevens was the head coach, Gordon Hayward was the star on that team, but Ronald Norred was the point guard. And so he was a key you know, member of that team that, that went to back-to-back national championships. And, and so he ended up you know, kind of parlaying that college career into a coaching career. And he's one of the young, up-and-coming, potentially future head coaches in the NBA type of uh, situation. So pretty, pretty cool for him. And so we're rooting for him and uh, excited to see, you know, kind of where his coaching career takes him. But uh, but a great conversation on the podcast today. Very open about his faith and, and some really cool stuff about parenting uh, that he gets into and, and just some, some really good perspectives that I think will uh, encourage all of us today. Before we jump in, let me thank our presenting sponsor, MediShare. MediShare is an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. MediShare is a biblical, affordable alternative to health insurance. You can find out more information on MediShare.com slash unpacking it. My wife and I, we are MediShare members and have been for a number of years. Again, figure out if it's a right fit for your family. You can get a quote, MediShare.com slash unpacking it. Check them out today. All right, stick around. At the end of the conversation with Ronald, uh, I'll get into a couple of the things that that stood out to me that we can unpack a little bit further. Right now, here is Ronald Norred. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Unpacking it with Bryce Johnson. And joining us today on the MediShare guest line is Indiana Pacers assistant coach Ronald Norred. He's a former Butler point guard who played in back-to-back national championship games and was a two-time Horizon League Defensive Player of the Year. He got into coaching right away after college and spent time 
with the Boston Celtics, Northern Kentucky, the Long Island Nets, and was an assistant coach with the Charlotte Hornets from 2018 until 2021 before joining Rick Carlisle's staff with the Indiana Pacers. Ronald, it's so great to have you back on Unpacking It. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's glad to be back. I feel bad, you know, like out of all the jobs I've had, people that anybody that has to read like all the jobs I've had, it's like over and over and over. It just doesn't stop. So sorry about that. <laughs> that hey, that's all right. And you're still a, a young guy and you're you're just getting going. So that that, that might, this might might grow a little bit, but but you're you're settled in uh with Indiana. And so I want to talk about that uh today. But before we do that, just curious your approach to the NBA playoffs. Unfortunately the Pacers aren't in it this year. But yeah. do, you, do you watch a lot of the games? Do you watch them live? Uh, what, what's your approach? Yeah, I watch them here and there. Um, you know, our season obviously is over, and so it's a good time just to be with the family and, and hang out. So, you know, I have a four-year-old daughter and a 15-month-old son, and so we got activities going on all day. And so if I can be sitting down in front of the TV for the playoffs, great. If not, my kids are in my face, you know, uh great as well so that's usually that's what's happening lately at night it's a little bit better obviously because the kids are asleep and we can just sit on the couch and turn them on absolutely and just based on who you guys played this year and throughout the season and and now being in the playoffs is there a team you're most confident in or or a team that you feel like is this is their year they're equipped to to make a deep run and, and win the thing yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's any. I have a strong leaning any e- either way. I mean, the the Nets are clearly the best seventh seed ever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I mean, they got to be. I don't know if that's a fact, but they got to be close. Absolutely. Um, so tough, tough first round matchup for Boston. Although Boston obviously won Game One, um, you know Boston's good. I mean, Milwaukee obviously is is still really good um, in the East. Brooklyn. Um, uh, Philly, the way they're playing against Toronto right now, they're playing well. I mean, Miami, you know, they're like the number one seed that no one ever talks about, right? Like, yeah. uh, but they're good. And then the West, I mean, Memphis, although they lost game one, has just dominated people all year, as has Phoenix. I mean, I, I really think, you know, Golden State, like, it, it's really a toss-up. There's a lot of really good teams. Or I don't think there's one that's just superiorly better than everyone else. So I think I think that makes a good – that'll make a good uh, a good playoffs. Absolutely. As a fan, I'm I'm fired up, excited to continue to watch the, the series after series and all the different storylines. And it just seems like so many great young players. And then you get the veterans like Chris Paul still in the mix. And, and so it's uh, a lot of intrigue for sure. But for you, you're in the offseason. And, and so I'm curious, just as an assistant coach, what are the responsibilities in the offseason? And then what do you have planned as far as fun and family time and vacation? Well, um, I, I don't know if I should give like the, the politically correct answer or the real answer. I'll give the real one. The real answer is we got nothing going on right now. I love um, so, but, but that's good. And, and, and most organizations that are done now are doing the same thing. Um, you know, per the, um, the, uh, the uh, Players Association rules, we can't force them to be in the gym at any time over in the offseason. Um, wow. We can encourage them to be there. A lot of guys do obviously because they just want to get better. They want to work with our coaches. And so we will do that here in Indiana as well, but that's a couple of weeks down the road. So until then it's time really just to relax, just to be with the family, um, take some trips. We're, we're actually uh, flying to Charlotte this weekend. Oh, um, and we're going to drive down to Kiowa Island nice. um, for a week and then come hang out in Charlotte for a couple of days. 
um, which which we're looking forward to. We really miss being in Charlotte. Um, we we had such a great time living in Charlotte. So uh, and still great friends uh, there. So we're gonna come down there, and uh, we got a couple other vacations planned throughout the year. But right now, it's you know the season is just so taxing, and it's you're just on so much. You know to have the opportunity to just really to just abruptly stop and get a chance to refresh and recharge is really important. And we'll get back at it um, here in a couple of weeks. That's awesome. Well, well, very exciting. And I want to hear more about the, the move from Charlotte to Indiana, but, but I am curious just the, the life of, of an assistant coach during the season. And, and so being a, a young dad and husband and, and wanting, as far as I know, you want to be a good family dad and, family <laughs> man and all that kind of thing. So, so how do you juggle that and, and, and keep your, your priorities in check throughout the season? Yeah, there's definitely a lot to do um, from the job standpoint. And the biggest part about it that, that makes it toughest with the family is like we play every other day pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, even when we're home, you know, I'm leaving at, you know, if, if, we, if I'm not going to shoot around in the morning, I'm leaving early afternoon and drive down to the arena and then I'm there all night. And, you know, my family comes to – some games, they don't come to every game because, you know, I have young kids and <laughs> they need to go to sleep. Okay. Um, so that, that's probably the biggest balance is just like not being home. But on top of that is um, we have a ton of film to watch because there's because there's so many games. We always have something to watch, including our own games that we watch. So that's a that's a heavy part of the uh, of our schedule as assistant coaches um, for me. Over the years, really, since we've had kids, our daughter, our oldest kid is four, our daughter's four. Since we had her, it's been about trying to find a, a rhythm to be able to work as hard as I can with my work when I have work. And then when they're awake, um, my kids are awake to be with them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of found that um, over, the, over the course of the last couple of years. We feel pretty good about it. Um, and I try to be really efficient at work, get home, you know, as soon as I can so I can spend time with the kids. And then if the kids go to sleep, I, I whip my computer out and I work more. Um, so probably a little detriment to my wife there at times, but uh, wow. but we find our time as well. That's awesome. Well, yeah, no, that, that sounds challenging, but cool to hear that you, you've got a good rhythm with it. And and so now I'm sure you've had to make some some adjustments being on a, on a new coaching staff, but but take me into the the decision and and, and you know, what what you can share with, with our audience today as far as you were here in Charlotte for for three years with the Hornets as an assistant and then Rick Carlisle takes over as as the head coach in Indiana and he he brings you aboard so so how did all that come together Yeah it was it first of all it happened pretty fast um, as as these things tend to do um, you know I I love Charlotte love the Hornets um, everyone that I was working with there is you know such a great organization with great people that have really helped you know helped me grow as a coach. Um, um, but as this, as the season ended and, you know, coach Carlisle left Dallas, um, he, he had reached out to me and asked if I had any interest in coming, um, with him after he got the Pacers job. And, you know, I, I was born in Indy. My mom grew up here, uh, in Indianapolis. My whole family's here. I went to college here. So I have a lot of familiarity with, you know, Indianapolis. Um, and that wasn't like a big draw. Um, to me coming here, but the familiarity definitely helped as far as like moving your family to somewhere completely different. So we talked um, over the course of a couple of days, he kind of gave me what he thought my role was going to be. Um, and I felt like it was a great opportunity to, to just continue to grow. Um, you know, it was a step up. 
um, in a lot of ways uh, in my role and my um, my abilities with the, what I need to do with the team and my ability to grow. And so, and it's with, I mean, it's with a legend coach. I mean, he's a hall of fame coach, you know? Yeah. So to have the opportunity to learn from him, work with him, you know, my ultimate goal is to be an NBA head coach. Um, and he's had six guys from his staff be NBA head coaches. And so, wow. you know, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's, he's, he's produced a lot of head coaches. Um, and I, I say there's probably, there's probably four, maybe five right now, current head coaches that work for him. I think four current head coaches. And so, opportunity to just learn from him um, was a big part of it. And so, um, you know, we did it and we moved there in a crazy, the crazy housing market. And uh, we were so blessed to, and to get the house that we did because we, we couldn't find anything. I mean, houses were just going before we could even put offers in. So it was a pretty smooth transition overall. Um, and we're really thankful we did. We've had a good year here. Ah, oh, that's great to hear. Gosh, I love that. And and so how did you, how were you connected to Coach Carlisle before joining his staff? Yeah, so not a really strong connection, honestly. Um, he, uh, Coach Carlisle has worked with my agent before mm-hmm. with some other clients of my agents. And I think he just trusted my agent and, you know, um, they've probably, my name has probably been brought up uh, at, yeah. at some point. And so um, when that time came, he, you know, called me to gauge my interest. I kind of talked with my agent through it and, you know, here I am. Um, and now, you know, coach and I have a great relationship. That That's neat. And and have you already, I'm sure, realized why he's been able to either, I guess, on one end, it's him identifying talented assistants, but then on the other end, developing them to become head coaches. So can you see just kind of what he does to, to pour into you as an assistant coach to to set you up well? Yeah, he's fantastic. I mean, he's he's humble enough. You know, this was year 20 as an NBA head coach. Wow. And so um, I think in year 20, you know, he probably realized, like, you know, I don't have all the answers and I don't need all the answers. Right. And so the thing that I love about him the most is that he allows his assistants to work. He gives great responsibility and allows you to grow in that responsibility. And it refines you. It makes you better. Um, you know, he. Um, he has his opinions on how things should go as he should. I mean, he's the head coach. And so being able to come with him, come to him with ideas and thoughts, the thing that I love about him is he'll say, yeah, it's a great idea. Let's do it. Or he'll say, no, I don't think it's a great idea. Let's try something else. Um, And some people, you know, as simple as that sounds, that's hard for a lot of people to do. You know, there's a lot at times there'd be, there's feelings or emotions attached to bringing something to someone where they may be offended, you know, you don't think I'm doing this well enough. And he, he's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he really just takes your ideas um, and he weighs them to where, you know, you're bringing it to him at, at what point in the season where we are as a team and he either runs with them or he doesn't. And I think that's great. And it, it really makes us better as assistant coaches. Oh, that, that's neat. And yeah, I'm sure I, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm intrigued by the, the whole uh, dynamic with, with NBA <laughs> coaches and, and assistant coaches. And to me, it's almost like an untapped. I, I don't, I don't hear enough about it. So that's, that's, I appreciate the, the insight there. Um, and, and you mentioned wanting to be uh, an NBA head coach. That's, that's the, the, the dream job. And we see in kind of all sports, young guys are getting jobs. And, and I, I from what I gather, you're, interviewing even for head coaching jobs throughout the throughout over the years and, and that kind of thing and keeping your name in the mix. So, so what is that balance like for you in regards to pursuing the dream and, and, and taking the next steps while also being 
patient and and ultimately trusting God's timing to 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 know that He'll open up the door uh, as He sees fit for you. Yeah, that that's mostly an internal battle more than an external battle uh, for me. Um, I've improved at it a lot over the years. It used to be a, just it used to just drive me, you know, try to just make everything happen to get to that point. Um, yeah. And I think uh, I think God's really put some people in my life to to help me understand how important it is to be really good where you are, mm-hmm. and how He'll take care of everything else from there. And so I, I've really gotten to that place, um, and and being in a place where I want to learn and grow as much as I can, more than just thinking I need to be an NBA head coach or be a head coach, you know. Um, and there's been I've had some really good people, like I said, in my life that have really help me see that there's a woman on our staff right now named uh, Jenny Busek, who has been a WNBA head coach. Um, She's been in the NBA for the last, I think, Brent, maybe seven or eight years. And she just speaks wisdom to me all the time. And Mm -hmm. one thing that she says often is you don't want to take a head coaching job before God has prepared you for the job from your, from a character standpoint, Mm -hmm. because it will just, it will just, it has all kind of uh, negative consequences to it. Yeah. And so she's like, God's timing is perfect. And he will have you ready for that job when you are ready. Don't, you know, there's no need to try to make it happen. And so that's been really good for me, especially, you know, in this season as I'm, you know, kind of taking, you know, more steps forward and, and been blessed to, you know, go from Charlotte to uh, as, as, as one spot in Charlotte to, uh, spot up in, uh, here in Indiana. So, um, like I said, it's more of an, an internal battle than an external battle. That's right. No, it's, I'm a, a spiritual battle in many ways. That make that makes sense. Well, you've, you've landed in the NBA and, and you, you mentioned an NBA head coaching job and, and you're a, a great college basketball player. You were a great college basketball player. So what about the difference in the games that you're, at least at this point, more drawn to the NBA and, and that's where you find yourself? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. Um, and you said great college basketball player. I, I think that's I think that's saying a lot. I wouldn't call myself great, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I give myself, you know, decent role player on a good team. But um, but for no, me, guys, game, well, another thing, guys that stay yeah. four years, I always give more credit to anyway. The guys that come for <laughs> well, one year, you. I don't care what the numbers are. If you're there one year, forget about it. No, but anyway. Well, the, the problem with us guys that stay for four years is that we have to. We don't. We don't have uh, another choice. Fair. That's fair. There's <laughs> um, part of that. Part of that. But I, I love the college game, and and I would be interested in um in coaching the college game if the right opportunity came about. Um, for me, it's about the people and you know who I would be working for, um, university or organizationally uh, in the NBA. Um, but being in the NBA, you know, this is where I've cut my teeth. I've, I've been in a college assistant for, for one year. Um, and so being in the NBA and loving this game and knowing this game and being around the best players in the world, uh, is something that's a lot of fun. And just being in that, you know, for lack of a better term, pressure cooker of working with these guys is something that really, uh, it really shapes you and forms you. And it, it really puts the pressure on you to, be the best you can be all the time. I think college does the same thing. Um, it's just a it, it's just a different game. You know, there's different focuses for the head coach, and and those are great focuses as well. You know, in college you get to, you know, get young guys. You know, they're going to be there for four years. Well, with the transfer portal, you don't these days. But 
um, you know, you're going to have the opportunity to have them there for four years and you're in their lives, you're seeing them, you're helping them with class and things like that. And that's, that's very intriguing to me as well. Um, but there's something special just about the NBA. Um, and you know, there's only 30 head coaching jobs in the NBA. If you become one of 30, that's, uh, that's a pretty high achievement. So, uh, if I ever had a chance to do that, I would, I would definitely be really grateful for that opportunity. Oh, that's neat. No, it's, it's good to, yeah, be connected on, on both, both, uh, games. So, uh, so that's pretty cool. Well, as far as you mentioned, the, the pressure cooker of the NBA, to me, the other challenge with 82 games, it's a lot of losses. Even even the top <laughs> teams, it's a lot of losses uh, throughout the year. And so and, and you've been on maybe a couple of teams that have had down seasons recently. But but how do you, especially from a faith standpoint and, and dealing with the, uh, you know, the failures, the losses and, and, and being able to to keep going and, and keep your uh, your, your faith and composure and character through, through the, those situations? Yeah, that's uh, another really good question. You know, I think as a, as a coach in the NBA, you understand you're, you're not going to win every game, right? It's just not going to happen uh, 82 times, especially if you're not one of the top teams. Uh, I think we lost 57 games this year, which is a lot. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of coming in the locker room and like, well, guys. Um, but, you know, I think if you look at every loss as a growth opportunity, um, I, I, that's got to be the way that you do it. Otherwise, you're just going to, you know, drive yourself into a hole. Um, and so for us, number one, understanding we're not going to win every game. But number two, how can we learn from this game? Um, the biggest I think the, the most difficult thing with losses is to help the players keep moving forward and wanting to keep moving forward and not getting down on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to be the light in the room, I think, is so important. Um, because it's easy for players to get in their head or they're not playing well or we're not playing well and, you know, to make excuses as to why we're not playing well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's important to, um, to be that light, to be in their lives, to, to understand what makes them tick, um, to have strategies and ideas um, about how you're going to get better and to help them see that and understand that. Um, knowing, yes, you know, in, in, in the moment, this isn't great, but, it's preparing us for something down the road, right? It's like any adversity that we go through in life. Um, in the moment, it's not great, but there's there's so many times where I look back at my life and, you know, I remember crying because the um, head coach at Western Kentucky left Western Kentucky to go to South, to go to South Carolina while I was committed and signed to go play at Western Kentucky. I remember crying as a senior in high school saying, I cannot believe, you know, this is happening to me. Well, then I end up at Butler and then we go to the final four and my life is <laughs> completely changed. That's a complete God thing, but that's, that's, that's adversity. Right. And so um, it's important for us and, and our job as coaches to help the players see how we can turn an adverse situation into something bigger for us this year, that was 57 losses. So how, you know, how can we turn 57 losses into something good for the future? That's something that we constantly think about, talk about, help our players see and understand. Absolutely. And, and I, I think Indiana's building something special and you're, you're a part of that with a lot of great young talent and some trades that happened this year that, that set you yeah. guys up well. So it's, it's, it's going to be fun to see the, the development there. The downside is my, my Hornets are, are right there in the mix with, with the Pacers <laughs> trying to get over the hump and become one of the top teams in the East. So we'll, uh, I know. we'll, we'll see. It, the East is getting more and more difficult, man. It's just, it's, you know, everyone used to say, oh, it's the West, it's the West, but man, the East is loaded. 
to, to think oh, the yeah. Knicks were in the playoffs last year. They miss it this year. They still got some great young talent. So they're, they're right there. Washington. So it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's going to, it's going to be tough for sure. Tough, and really, tough. And the, the teams that are in it aren't that old. I mean, maybe Philly's a little bit older, but uh, the bulls kind of, but maybe. Yeah. But really, no, you know, the nets, the nets are a pretty veteran team, um, the nets, but yeah. Miami's going to be able to keep it rolling. Um, you know, these, these teams are, these teams are good. <laughs> it's, it, it makes for a great, great NBA. There's no, there's no yeah. question about that. Well, we'll talk a little more, more faith with you. And in this, this past weekend was, was Easter. And I'm always curious, you know, just what, what comes to mind or, or maybe this year in particular, was there anything that you, you focused on or, or something that uh, you, 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 you just kind of noticed throughout the, the build up to Easter and, and then Easter Sunday for you? Yeah, this is this has been a unique year for us because, uh, like I said, our daughter is four, right? Mm. And so her understanding of what's going on with Easter is is really growing. And mm. so I think the biggest thing for us this year with Easter has just been teaching her, right? Going through the Lent season and, and um, preparing, in her mind, preparing her for what happened on Sunday. And that's been a lot of fun. And it's been so fun to um see how exciting like on saturday there was there's one more day till easter um and talk about you know the the true meaning of easter and what it means for our lives uh right that you know because she always say jesus that um she goes to a great school so she they're hitting her at school as well but you know (laughs) she she can easily say you know jesus died on the cross uh why to save us from our sins and and the great part to, to tell her is like but the story didn't end there. It's not over. Um, and so it's so fun to just talk about the empty tomb, right? And um, and my wife had um, some, uh, um, what are they called? Uh, they're not Easter eggs. I'm, I'm blanking on the name of what they're called, but eggs that every day there's something, there's something in the egg oh, cool. that, uh, that's a piece of the Easter story. And, you know, um, the day the tomb was rolled away, it was, it was a rock that's in the egg. Well, on Easter Sunday, it was a white egg. She she liked to shake the eggs and see what was in them. Well, it, it was a white egg. And she's like, I don't know if there's anything in here, right? Um, well, when we opened the egg, it was on Easter Sunday. It was like, there's nothing in here because the tomb is empty. Uh-huh. And, 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 you know, and so just talking to my daughter about what that means for our lives, how now, you know, Jesus defeated death and we get a relationship with him forever and we're going to get to go to heaven and that's going to be this awesome party um, when we get there. And it's better than anything we can imagine on earth. And so that's been our that's been our Easter and, and really our build up to Easter was a lot through her excitement um, of what, what was to come. Ah, uh, that's awesome, man. I've, I've got a two and a half year old, so she's a little bit you know behind, but but to even hear her say jesus and 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 understand okay jesus easter and it's it's mm. special man it, it really it is. is and and it you know it gives us a, f- a a fresh look at the gospel and and it's uh it's special it really is without a doubt without a doubt and that's i mean i, I had not not that i need it but i had so much renewed energy for easter just through seeing it through her eyes right yeah. and and literally every day, just being able to, you know, talk about the Easter story and, and explain what the gospel is to her has been, it's been a treat. 
Uh, that's excellent. Well, beyond um, be, being a, a dad, what other uh, maybe lessons learned in your life? What, what ways has God been working in your life and, and teaching you different things and showing you and, and moving uh, in, in your heart and mind? Anything that you'd be willing to share today that would be an encouragement, just something that, that you've uh, either wrestled with or, or kind of grown in a certain area? Yeah, um, the biggest thing lately has been uh, – it's has to do with being a dad. It's just being uh, his, his family. Um, I just read a, a really good book. Listen to the podcast first, but then read a book. Um, um, Take Back Your Family by uh, Jefferson Betke. I don't know if you've heard of this book, oh, but yeah, I've interviewed um, him. Yeah. Oh, have you? Yeah. 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 He's he's the best. Uh, That's cool. Not that I know him, but I just read his stuff and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But so uh, that book. Um, just talks about how in the Western culture, we're just doing family all wrong. Hmm. And um, how um, in ancient, ancient culture, how the whole family lived together, the whole family dined together. Um, and, you know, talks about Shabbat and um, just being, um, just being uh, energized and having a plan for your family. And number one, and the biggest thing is your family being on mission. And hmm. it's interesting because as a coach, um, that's what I do all the time, right? You're thinking about what your mission is for your team and uh, you're getting your players to, you know, go on that mission together and, and, and you know, creating values of what that mission is going to look like. And as I'm reading this book, I'm like, this makes so much sense. Like I do this as a coach. I love, I never even considered doing this uh, for my family, being intentional about what specifically the Nord family mission is. And so uh, through reading this book, and, and he has a whole organization, they, um, him and another guy, I think Jeremy Pryor is the guy's name, that uh, created an organization called Family Teams. And it's literally the parents as the coach. And um, and so I read this book. I read it super fast during the season, which I don't read a lot of books during the season just because time purposes. I flew through this book, and I'm like, I got to start this now. And I have oh, uh, three three friends that, uh, that I grew up with that I'm really close with, and we talk all the time. And I was like, guys – we're doing we're doing this family thing all wrong. You guys got to read this book. And, you know, I think I said a 12 minute video to them of like explaining this book in there. And they were probably like, dude, this is way too long. But I was really excited to be able to be um, an intentional family and our family be on mission. And a big part of the book talks about the generational family, how families, how the generation used to be so important that the kids knew the great grandparents and the grandparents and how strange it is in our culture that you know we get excited about being empty nesters when the family should be together all the time or how it's normal for us to talk about the brother and the sister don't like each other or they like their friends more when the brother and sister should be closer than any other or the the siblings should be closer than anybody else that they know in their lives yeah. and so they have all these family teams and jefferson besky through this book they have a lot of strategies to create this generational family and a family on mission. And so that's something that's coming up for us uh, now that the season is over with that my wife and I are gonna sit down, create our family mission and be intentional about sharing that with our kids, helping our kids understand our family past, where where you come from and building that, um, understand with the family. So then they can pass all this on for hopefully a long, long time to come. Gosh, well, th thanks for sharing that. That's uh, that's an encouragement, and I'm intrigued by the book because uh, I've, I've enjoyed. I read one of Jeff Bethke's books uh, before, so that, that that should be uh, that should be a good one. And yeah, I'm just coming off Easter weekend. 
we had my my wife's family on Saturday, my family on on Sunday. It's we all live in Charlotte, so I, I've experienced some of that. But I think even taking it a step further with the intentionality of it and and what what you're talking about, and and sometimes I either take it for granted or get burned out thinking oh, it's a lot of family time or yeah, oh, they're all right here. But actually viewing it as a blessing and and view all right, how does God want to work through this? Um, I appreciate that. So I get yeah, really it, it, a little bit. It, yeah, it's good. And and he he did the uh yeah, he did a podcast um with John Ty- Tyson, who's a pastor in um who's a pastor in New York, an Australian guy who's mm. a pastor in New York. And John Tyson writes about um the intentionality of us working with our children. You know, what does it mean to be a man? And how um so many of in our culture, so many young men don't understand what that means and they end up living with their parents and they're playing video games at 25 years old and he talks about how and with this podcast they're together but he talks about how he created starting at um you know when his son i think maybe was two creating a curricular curriculum for his son from the age of i think maybe 14 or 15 till 19 to where they, he, it was this journey that he took his son on. And then he did it. There was a yearly things they did monthly and daily. There was daily scripture. There were daily questions. There was monthly, you know, activities and they took him on trips. But he said he wanted his son when he, when he got turned 19 to know exactly why, when and why he became a man and how he knows he's a man. And just the truth behind it is like i mean it, it's right like you listen to it and it's like i can't do i can't possibly recreate mm. this but it's just about the intentionality that we have with our kids um to help them grow um in a way that is going to further the kingdom and um and know they are who god says they are not what the world says they are amen amen gosh that's I what i got that. coming up that's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I look forward to hearing about that. That's uh, that's excellent and uh, a cool adventure and, and and challenge ahead of you. And I've got to look into that. So that that's neat. Well, Ronald, before we uh, get going, I just have one final thing, just because I'm sure you get asked about it all the time. But to me, the whole concept of Brad Stevens, your former coach, you were on the, the bench with him as well as an assistant coach in Boston. He goes to the front office, but he's done a great job because he put together a great team this year, and, and they're off to a good start in the playoffs. But but what did you make of the the decision? How surprised were you? 100% surprised. Um, I heard that there was something going on, but I didn't know what it was. I was actually – we were in Charlotte. I was um, – we were in Matthews, and yep. I was at my daughter's swim class. And uh, and I was just – she was swimming, and I was – you know, the teacher was going through, and I was on my phone, like, just kind of looking at Twitter, and I saw the tweet of Brad Stevens is becoming the president of the Celtics. And I was like, what? And a lady next to me was like, are you okay? What's going on? And I was like, oh, no, I'm fine. It's just something crazy just happened. But what I didn't realize in the first, when I first read the uh, tweet was that he was leaving coaching. I thought he was doing both roles together. Yeah, yeah. And so when I saw he was leaving coaching, I mean, I was I was as shocked as they come. Um, but, you know, talking to him, it was a great opportunity to do something different, to be challenged in a new way. Um, you know, a, a job that he felt like he couldn't pass up on and he's done a great job at it. And it's been fun just to see how he is building the team and, and to talk with, talk with, uh, through some of it with him. Um, but you know, he's, uh, he's a great coach, um, and always will be a great coach. I, I told him, I was like, dude, it's weird for me to even see you as anything but a coach. Um, 
but you know, he's a great leader more than anything else. So I know he'll be successful, you know, as he continues to do the job he's doing now. That's right. At least for now, at least for now, I can't imagine. At least for now. I can't imagine he's not back on the sideline at some point, but, uh, but that's, it's a pretty cool, cool story. So it's funny because people don't realize Greg Popovich, he was in the front office before becoming a coach and his story is exactly right. So exactly right. Yeah. Brad doing the opposite there, but, um, well, Ronald, man, great having you on the show. Great catching up, excited for your new opportunity and, and can't wait to see what, what doors God opens up for you down the line, but, but excited where you're at now and, and, God using you right now. So keep up the yeah. great work. Enjoy the family. Enjoy the vacations. And uh, look forward to the next time we get to catch up. Thanks, Bryce. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been fun being on for a second time. And I uh, love all you're doing. And uh, glad I can be a part of it. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. Well, there's Coach Ronald Norred joining us here on the MetaShare guest line right here on the Unpacking It podcast. Sharing the personal side of sports, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And we're back in the Unpacking It studio to unpack that great conversation with Ronald Norred. And the part that I want to unpack a little bit further today is how many of us can probably relate to, you know, the, the, the place that, that Ronald finds himself where he's embracing being an assistant coach. And he understands that the experience that he's getting now will set him up, prepare him, give him the experience necessary, develop the skills to ultimately become a head coach. And that's his dream. That's his goal. That's what he's going after. And and so for whatever that, you know, that might be for each of us in our own careers or, or different elements of life where we have to embrace where we currently are while also keeping the vision, the dream, the, the hopes alive for what's next. And I find this is a very challenging place to be in. I know it has been for me th- throughout my life where you, you know this is currently where God has you, and he hasn't released you yet, or he hasn't opened up the door yet, and so you know we find ourselves waiting, and, and I think it's so important that we truly lean in to where we're at, what we're doing, and not get so you know bummed out, worried, stressed out about oh man, but I really want to be doing this. I really want to be there. I really want this to happen. Well, if it hasn't, then let's trust that God is doing something right now where we are and and to uh, embrace the work God's doing in us in the current situation. And, And it's okay. It's okay that Ronald at this age in his career is an assistant coach. And it's okay that he wants to be a head coach. But he's not a head coach right now. So he can't let that be his main focus. He's got to focus on being an assistant coach and being the best assistant coach he can possibly be for the guys in that locker room and, and for Rick Carlisle, who, who is in that position. And, and so uh, I guess the encouragement you know, for us today is just to evaluate in our own lives, all right, am I getting restless in the sense that all right, God is stirring in me to, to take a step of faith and to leave and go. Okay, that may be one side of it. And, and if God says go, we go. I've talked about that on the podcast before. But sometimes it's, wait, not yet. And I think Ronald Norred, I, I think he applied even for the Butler head coaching job, and I think he's applied for other 
head coaching jobs or interviewed, and he hasn't gotten one yet. Or maybe he didn't want certain ones either, potentially. I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs of that. I didn't ask him about that. But the reality is, he wants to be a head coach. He's not right now. You and I can relate to that. We want to be doing something that maybe we aren't. Hopefully, you're right where you want to be. You're in your sweet spot, and you're rocking and rolling. That's awesome. But for those of you that, that aren't, um, this hopefully gets you thinking a little bit, and hopefully you can relate to him, and, and something he said today was, was encouraging to you. Uh, but it does come down to, to trusting God and being patient uh, in him, that he gives us the ability to wait and to find value in the wait. And, and so that's, that's the key there. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Ronald Norred. Uh, that was awesome. And he had some good stuff about being a parent as well. And, and even being a dad while coaching and just the way he prioritizes uh, is really cool too. And I think we can glean something from that uh, in our own lives also. And then, uh, yeah, the one book he was talking about, it was thought-provoking. I don't know if that's the answer or it's got all the answers, but it's I'm open to different parenting strategies and setups and approaches. Uh, I think that's good to, to explore and figure out what works for our families and, and ultimately going back to Scripture and, and leading families that are focused on the mission of Jesus, living for Jesus, living with Jesus, loving Jesus, loving others, pointing them to Jesus. So we want to demonstrate that as as parents for sure uh, and set our set our kids up well for that. But uh, but thanks again. We'll talk to you next time. We got some awesome interviews coming up. Uh, did an interview today with Brian Smith. We'll be releasing that soon. Uh, he wrote the book, The Christian Athlete, a fascinating topic uh, with him. Uh, we've got Douglas Middleton uh, coming up soon. We, we had a conversation with him about mental health. Uh, he's a former App State player. Uh, so be looking out for for that. Les Norman is a former Kansas City Royal. We talked a little baseball with him. So, uh, so some great interviews that we'll be releasing here soon on the Unpacking It podcast. So thanks for your support. Thanks for donating. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. And, and thanks for the feedback. We love hearing from you. Bryce at unpackingit.com. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. Presented by MediShare. For more information about the show, our events in Charlotte, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.